All right, good evening, Texans, and welcome to the program. And we will have a program for you tonight, a lot of things to talk about. But we had to begin the program with this, with such heavy hearts, as news broke today that Ryan Mallett, former Texans quarterback, is dead at the age of 35, drowned reportedly on a Florida beach. Mallett played for the Texans in 2014 and 2015. We all remember the Cleveland game when he won as his first start went so well through a TD pass to J.J. Watt. But Mallett eventually played for the Ravens. He was with the Patriots before the Texans and became a high school football assistant in 2020 in Arkansas, recently accepted a head coaching job in high school football in that state where he played college football. He also played at Michigan. But Mallett gone at 35, reportedly drowned on a Florida beach, and so sad, so tragic. What more can you say about it? And we'll continue to break the news, as I'm sure many listeners are tuning in. But Johnny and I have a show ready for you tonight, and um, we had planned on doing this, and we're going to continue to do this because there's not much more to say. It's just I don't have any more details on Ryan, and I'm sure more details will emerge, but... It's just so shocking and saddening to hear that Ryan Mallett has passed at age 35. All right, let's get with the rest of the show. And uh, we're going to talk about something that I wanted to talk about a bit last night. I tweeted out an Instagram post that the team put out, our social media department. And with JJ going into the Ring of Honor, they had the offensive goat of franchise history, Andre Johnson, the defensive goat, J.J. Watt, and who is the special teams goat, they were asking. Well, the overwhelming response was John Weeks, who has all those consecutive starts, far and away a franchise record, and for a non-position player, I hate to say that with John Weeks. It's a position. Long snapper's a position. And a key one. You know how important long snapping is? Think about life without plumbing or electricity or air conditioning. Long snapper is air conditioning. Because when you don't have it, you really notice it. If that snap goes over the punter's head, boy, is that going to be noticeable. If that is not on target for a key place kick, you're going to notice that. But we take him for granted because never missed one, right? I hate saying that. I know. know. McLean says that. John McLean says it all the time. And I cringe. I cringe. Oh, like, no, don't say that. And then it's... You know, but how much. about this? You you know this better than anybody that there are subtleties to this too. Mm-hmm. It's not about all right, did you snap it over the guy's head or not? The ball's got to be on target mm-hmm. so the holder can get the laces in the right place, so the punter has it just the way he likes it, so it gets there in point six eight seconds or whatever the time is that they need it to get there. Those nuances, those subtleties are so important because if they're not there, if it gets there in .72, it's blocked. Yep. Right? It's that- it, it might look good right. at first, but a split second later, the ball is going in the wrong direction because somebody got a hand on it. Yeah. And say a snap is six inches left or right. You know, as Wesley Snipe said, and white man can't jump, the wink and blow it six inches to the right or the left. Six inches to the right or the left with a snap, and that might move Cam right into the way of a, a blocker yeah. coming to block the punt. Yeah. And and that hasn't happened. So the answer to your question, as soon as, as, soon as I saw it, I was like, my instant reaction it shouldn't have been like, duh, it's John Weeks, but it was, John come Weeks. on, it's Weeksy. I mean, yeah. he's, he's 
been the guy since 2010. And he's a guy that I can't remember what year it was, Mark. He was playing through a bad knee injury, a bad knee injury. I want to say it was 18. Oh, yeah. He was playing through an injury, and every time he went out there, he was struggling to get back over to the sideline. And I kept thinking at that point, okay, this is that time we see him break down. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is the time we get a bad snap. This is the time we have an issue. Never did. Nope. Never, never did. And I just think his consistency over all these years, no matter who they've brought in to training camp, what rookie they've brought in, whatever competition, however you look at it, he's been the gold standard on special teams without a doubt. I think it's, it's John Weeks, and I don't know that it's a question. But we could make it a question. We could make it a question. We could make it like this. Who else deserves consideration? Yeah. Special teams goat in franchise history. Give me a name. You give me one name. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a name. And on uh, Sunday evening, Mm -hmm. January 2012, Doing my overnight show, if anybody heard that overnight show, they, they're going to be absolutely shocked at what I'm about to say because I absolutely lost my mind that Jacoby Jones tried to headbutt a punt that was bouncing down inside the 10-yard line. <laughs> in a playoff game. In the playoff game against the Ravens. Yeah. And I, Mark, you would have been very, very proud of that moment. Um, but Jacoby – and people will remember the the Super Bowl return that was with the Ravens and all that. Yeah, but that's but, their franchise, but still, not ours. When Jacoby caught punts, it was going to be exciting one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. It really was. I mean, you were like, okay, is he going to take this back? And there was a run, uh, I can't remember, it was eight or nine, where well, they punted the ball. And I, I remember when the ball would go up in the air to him, I'm like, okay, something good's happening. I just felt that every time the ball was going to be was going to be cooked, uh, kicked. In, in whatever way, kick, punt, whatever, to Jacoby. He was going to make something happen. I, I never felt like the Texans were able to get as much out of them as they probably wanted as a receiver. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Kevin Walter, you had Andre Johnson. He still made some, some great plays at receiver. He probably just wasn't as consistent as Rick Smith probably would have wanted and Gary Kubiak wanted when they, when they drafted him out of Lane College. But in the return game, he was scary. And they had a run, whether it was eight or nine, where – Ball got in his hands. You stood up and watched because something good was going to happen when he got the ball. So I'm going to throw Jacoby Jones out there. My rant about him trying to field a bouncing ball on a punt against the Ravens, notwithstanding, I felt like the electricity that he brought to it was pretty was I don't want to say overwhelming, but it gave the Texans a boost when they definitely needed it. Absolutely, I think it's a great suggestion. He is the all-time leader in special teams touchdowns for the Houston Texans. He has four returns for touchdowns, and that's a good number. Yeah, Nobody else has more than three. So I think Jacoby Jones is a great idea. We're talking about special teams, GOAT, best special teams players Mm -hmm. in team history. And, look, we're not going to get into all the gunners and people (laughs) like that because that's a different deal, right? Special teams, tackles. We could get into some of that. The last couple of years, we've seen some really good we've special had some, teams. There have players been some dudes, yeah. Getting down. There's field. one I'm going to suggest. He wasn't a gunner, but he was instrumental on special teams. We'll get to him in a little bit later, though. Okay, let's do this, though. Let me give you a name Chris okay. Brown. I love Kaimi Fairbairn. And I think Fairbairn's been very solid for this team. I'm not saying Brown isn't, well, I think Fairbairn's actually better than Brown in many ways. Mm-hmm. 
But Fairbairn hasn't had those opportunities that Chris Brown had. Chris Brown almost every year of this franchise had chances to do really cool things. Year one, he kicked the field goal, the only field goal in the game against Pittsburgh, his former team at the time. Oh, yeah. And they felt like, well, they, the fans felt like Chris Brown was run out of town, right? Right. And he goes back. Texans have three defensive scores. The only offensive points were Chris Brown's foot. So it's really special teams. Offense couldn't move the ball 47 yards. We know that whole legend. Year two, kicks the game-winning field goal against the Miami Dolphins on opening day. I talked about that win before. That was a really tough place to win in September back in the day, and he kicked the game-winner against them then. Kansas City in 04, game-winning field goal. Cool. 05, he has a shaky season, has that horrific shank at Tennessee. A lot of Texans seasoned fans mm -hmm. will remember that one. Yep. But 06, he bounces back, works with Dr. Bob Rotella, famous for working with golfers, but he works with him. And in 06, he's got a season. He hits that big one against the Colts on yep. Christmas Eve to beat them for the first time ever. 2007, anybody? He has a game against Miami where he kicks three field goals, Chris Brown did, from beyond 54. So two from 54 and the game winner from 57. He was special teams player of the week, and it was an NFL record at the time. Somebody has since broken that one, or they did the same thing, and they were flashing that up there on the screen. I think it was a red zone day for me. We weren't playing. I thought, well, I know Chris Brown's done something similar to that. Yeah. I can't remember who the kicker was, so I apologize there. But it goes on and on. 08, Green Bay, game winner. Three degrees, Lambeau Field, 40-yarder, boom. So Fairbairn hasn't had as many chances to make big game-winning kicks. Now, it all went wrong for Chris Brown in 09. Missed one at the buzzer that would have tied it at, against the Colts on the road, and we all know how important that was at the time. And he also missed one at the buzzer against the Tennessee Titans a week later here at NRG Stadium in prime time. And that one hurt a lot. Vince Young remained perfect against the Texans at the time. But overall, Chris Brown had a hell of a career for the Houston Texans. He played longer than Fairbairn's been with the team so far. And he has something 25, 30 more made field goals. And I think Fairbairn, other than the playoff game, the playoff game was huge to be able to win that one against Buffalo with Fairbairn's leg, but that was a chip shot. That was a wedge as opposed to hitting the target with your seven iron, right? That right. was a, a much more makeable. You know, I hate to say anything's easy, but it's much easier than making a 55-yarder for the win. So I'll nominate Chris Brown as one to get second-place consideration behind one John Weeks. Give me another name. Okay, so you went Chris Brown. I'm thinking about two names, but I'll, I'll go with the first one. It's the one that you already mentioned. That's Kaimi Fairbairn. Game winners, 2018. Yeah. Here against Dallas the week before against Indianapolis. Oh, Dallas. I forgot about Dallas. Yeah. Now, both. Uh, they weren't huge. Uh, relatively. 30-ish. But if you remember, if you remember, in against the Colts, it's 37 yards. It was a big one. And they called timeout. That was a big one. And he went through it, and he pushed it right. And I just remember thinking, oh, no. And then when the real one came, he buried it. I mean, it was right down the middle. And how did that 2018 team need that game? I Needed mean, Needed that game. About to go 0-4 or 0-3-1, right? And he, and he buries that. And then the next week, you got Dallas. And look, chip shots aside, I mean, that game winner against Dallas, I mean, it was still was in the 30s. With all of that that went on in that game, Right. 
against Dallas Sunday night to Cooley knock that one through. He's had game winners. You could, you know, Buffalo. Buffalo was definitely a, a chip shot because they were inside the 10-yard the line at that point. But I want to give him credit for one field goal that he hit that I still to this day am. It's, it's a field goal we absolutely needed in 2018. And the game ended on a field goal. Yep. Miss by Brandon McManus. But against Denver, in the fourth quarter, we were, I think it was tied. And weren't moving the ball that well. And there for about a 15-minute real-time span, the wind in the stadium kicked up. Like, I mean, like I had never seen it. It blew over the, the punting net. I mean, think, it was crazy. And he had to kick about a 40-yarder into that wind. And I'll never forget, that ball he kicked, he, he, I remember him telling us about this. He started it outside the right upright, and that thing snuck in the left upright. Ooh. And I remember, because I'm staying, you know me, I'm staying out of the upright. So I, I can kind of see it move, but I'm just trying to make sure it goes through so I can tell you good or wide right or wide left. And so I don't really, I can't really say anything because I'm watching the ball like, where's this thing going? And then I realized, okay, it went through good. When I went back and watched it on television, on the, you know, we were on a plane coming home, and I was like, holy cow, that was a hard kick. And it went in that game by three points because of that field goal. That's a big one. He's made big kicks he's been consistent since he started in a in a full-time capacity in 2017 he hit 20 of 25 he hit 37 of 42 he hit 20 of 25 he hit 27 of 31 15 of 19 in this past year he was 29 of 31 mm. i hate the fact that that was i don't say wasted on a 313 in one season but it was wasted on 313 in one season but in playoff years, 2018, 37 out of 42. 2019, 20 out of 25. 88.1% one year, 80% the next year. And I remember in that 2019 season, he missed a few early. And it was I remember we were talking about this. We were in a break, and we are like, oh, we're going to do this now? And then he got hot, and I don't think he missed for the rest of the season. Yep. He, I just feel like, and he hit a 61-yarder against Seattle in 2021 which is a team record. So when it comes to whose foot do I want on the ball at the end of the game, I want him. Now, he's going to be wearing 15 this year, so we'll see how he adapts to a new number. But I think if what we saw in OTAs, yeah, I don't remember him missing one in OTAs, yeah, we which saw, is phenomenal. We saw one it's practice phenomenal. in particular where he just made everything. He made everything. Swish, it, swish, swish. He had a bomb from like 60. That would have yeah. been good from 65 easily. Yeah, they had a two-minute situation. He had to make a 60-yarder to get the win for the offense, and he did it. So I'm going Kaimi Fairbairn. All right. I just think I know I'm right about this because based on the numbers I am, he just hasn't had those opportunities at the end of games to kick 40-plus. Yeah. Right? He's kicked 30-plus right. and 20-plus, but not too much 40-plus. He just hasn't had the, the reps to be able to even try it. Yeah. And he's never missed a big one. He's never missed a really big one, a really important one. Yeah. So I'll give him that for sure. And the career is in progress. All right, Shane Leckler, Johnny. Yeah. He comes here in 2013. We're talking about special teams, goats for the Houston Texans. John Weeks has the award. It's almost like when Jordan was MVP and you're voting for second, except for Akeem, right. who would be awesome. Yeah. But it just didn't always work out that way when the Bulls were mm -hmm. in full force with Jordan for a full season. Anyway, we don't have to get into that. But Shane Leckler, his average just dominates. Now, 
when you look at inside the 20, he had some incredible punts in the 2013 season when he first got here, just breaking out the sandwich. Yep. But Cameron Johnston is really good at this, too. On Pace Guy says Cameron Johnston, <laughs> over the five, season Lex, five yeah. seasons Leckler played, Johnston in two seasons is already halfway there to punts inside the 20. So that's worth noting for sure. But Leckler's a Hall of Famer punter, and I think that he deserves strong consideration for special teams GOAT, second place anyway. Yeah, his his numbers, I actually was looking at his numbers, and his yards per punt for the five years that he was in Houston, 47.6, 46.3, 47.3, 47.5, and 49. Those were all higher than what he did in Oakland, except for a couple of seasons. I mean, he was he was madly consistent. Um, and even his net yards per punt were really good those five years in comparison. I mean, they were right along with what he was doing in Oakland when he was uh, in a run where he was a, a Pro Bowl, all-pro punter, and he should be the next uh, punter into the Hall of Fame. Here's one of the reasons why I would, I would put Leckler in this uh, – give him hard consideration for this we were in we were in Oakland in 2014 so you know that was my first year on the sidelines and so I had gotten to know them a little bit you know because the specialists are kind of I kind of hang out near the specialists in fact the week before weeks he almost nailed me with a with a snap because I kind of got a little too close so he sent a warning shot he got a little close with that warning shot anyways I get to know those I get to know those guys um a little bit and I've obviously known Weeksy and and Leckler for for a while so we were in Oakland and so Shane walked over and I said how's it the punt in this place in Oakland I said you know this place like what is it was it the punt like and he went into this dissertation about knowing well on a day like today the wind's going to be coming out of the southeast so I know if I'm punting going this way and I'm going to put this I'm going to put this kind of punt but if it's a little bit later in the day and we're going in this other direction, I'm put this guy. He gave me a breakdown of every punt you could make in the Oakland Cal- in the Coliseum. And I was like, I was intrigued at that point. You know how I feel about punters and kickers. I'm just like, all right. They're they're a they're a necessity. But I'm hanging on every word because this is cool. It is cool stuff. So we started talking stuff. about different places. Like, yeah, yeah. If you go to if you go to Pittsburgh, you don't want to punt this kind of punt. That's the kind of point you, you don't. You definitely don't want that. And if it's a night game in Pittsburgh, you certainly don't want to do this. He broke every like all the stadiums in the AFC. He was like, "Oh, this stadium, you definitely don't want to punt it to that corner. You don't want to do this. You want you want to keep the punt low in these places. You don't want it high here." It was fascinating. I mean, he just gave me this study of of uh, he gave me this study of of basically punting in the NFL, and I was just enamored with it. I was like, look, you grab the you grab the ball and you punt it. Man, he, they couldn't have been further from the truth. He was so good giving that. So, okay. A guy that I can't remember if he was still here for the with that first year with Leckler. But you talked about we, we talked about return guys, kickers, punters. Mm-hmm. Brian Brayman was one of the better cover special teams guys this team has had and whether he had his helmet on had his helmet off blocking punts he was an absolute superstar going down and of course you see the hair flying around and he was just a madman and he understood 
what his role was. And the Brian Brayman story is an incredible one. But when he gets to the Texans, you think, okay, the guy maybe feels like he's made it. He's gone through everything to get to this point. But it didn't matter. It's like, yeah, I got to go on special teams. I don't know on special teams. Okay. Right. Whatever I've got to do, I'll go break up. At the time, wedge busters. You know, he was a, he was a wedge busting kind of guy. Philadelphia, too. He never slowed down. He's the kind of guy that a special teams coach would say, okay, which guy looking around? Which guy's my wedge buster? Which guy can I rely on? Which guy's my core four special? It's the guy I've got to – Brayman. And he was it. He was the guy. That's he a was good incredible. Pick. That's Brian a good Brayman. Pick. All right, Johnny, and we're doing special teams goats besides John Weeks, who wins the award automatically, in our opinion. Can I interest you in more touchdowns? Okay. Kickoff returns for touchdowns. I mentioned Jacoby Jones has the kick return or right. return TD record, right. which is four, but three of those are punt returns. There's no but. Three of those are punt returns. One's a kickoff. Right. There are two players in franchise history with three kickoff returns for touchdowns. I will do this player first. Andre Davis, who I love. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I wish he lived in the area. I'd yep. love him to be one of those Texans legends that we have on the air a lot and does a lot of events because he's such a terrific guy, and I really miss him. I believe he was here for Andre's Ring of Honor weekend when all the alums came in or so yep. many alums came in. It was a great weekend. But Andre Davis, the last day, you want to talk clutch performance, and I know there are more people involved in a kick return for a touchdown than the return man himself, mm -hmm. but he's the guy who gets the glory. The last day of the regular season, it's 2007. It's been an up-and-down year, to say the least. Matt Schaub was acquired. He's hurt. He's healthy again. He's hurt again. Rosenfels has to finish off the season. Yeah. There they are at home with a chance to go 500 for the first time ever. Look, you're not going to have a parade over it. You're not going to put up a Colts banner for going 500 for the first time ever. But you want to go 500 for the first time ever. You're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. They don't need the game. They sit David Garrard. They start, they start Quinn Gray. Quinn Gray throws for 300-plus, and he's on fire. Quinn Gray is Quinn torching Gray. you. Okay, <laughs> Andre Davis returns two kickoffs yep. for touchdowns. Not one, but two. And you win by 14. You win by those two. Yep. That's how important that performance was. Look, you didn't go to the playoffs, but you went 500 for the first time. That was a good Jags team that a week later yeah, would beat, beat Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Yep. So that was a clutch performance. Had another kickoff return for a touchdown another time. So he has three. Now, there's only one player in the history of the franchise other than Weeks to go to the Pro Bowl for special teams, and that is Jerome Mathis. Who? Everybody says. He was from 2005, a very forgettable year, 2-14, but he returned two kickoffs for touchdowns that year and went to the Pro Bowl. He also had another one in 07. Wow. What a what a team performance for kickoff returns yeah. for TDs in 07. I guess was that Ligashevsky? No. Or was uh, that that, no, was... that wasn't Liggy. That was Marciano. Still. Marciano, yeah. 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 So good for them. Mathis with three. Andre Davis with three. I'm going to give them honorable mention. What do you think? I think those are both really good. I mean, when you think of Jerome Mathis going to the Pro Bowl, Weeksy and Mathis are only two special teamers to go to the Pro Bowl. So. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to consider Jerome Mathis. It just was such a short period of time. Disappointing career. Right. Absolutely. Now, there's one guy that we didn't 
quite mention, and yet he didn't have any return touchdowns. But from a yard standpoint and because he's one of the greatest guys that ever lived, he's got to be under consideration. That's J.J. Moses. Oh, J.J. Moses has a ton of return yeah. yards. And yeah, he's got – I love him. He had 1,303 kick return yards in 04. He had 1,355 in 03. He had 553 punt return yards uh, in combined in those two years as well. So, he's – I think he's second to Mathis, I believe, in – oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. All-time return yards, he's the leader in the, he's the, leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, well, they got kicked off a lot, too. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is true. That but, is true. But, but that's not going to take anything away from J.J. Moses, who we saw at the Legends Day at OTAs, yeah. and terrific to catch up with him. Yeah, absolutely. And so, J.J. Moses, we got, I'm, I'm making sure that we, we add him in there. But, you know, the guys that have been on, the, on the, the special teams the last couple of years, you know, guys like M.J. Stewart, uh, Daria Gumbawale. Dez himself. Uh, yeah. He's played some. Trayvon Smith, obviously, is no uh, longer Neville with Hewitt. the team. I mean, there have been some guys that have gone down and made some incredible plays. I mean, these, these special teams have been incredible the last couple of years under Frank Ross, and hopefully that that uh, that continues as this team gets better. Hopefully it's not, well, we got better offense, defense, but the special teams, I don't think Frank can, Frank's going to let that uh, let that fall off. But I'd like to see a little bit more in the return game. I just don't know how much the return game is going to be part of the game anymore. Yeah, I know. But if Steven Sims, if Steven Sims' philosophy is carried through in the NFL, which I, I thought was one of the most enlightening answers we got throughout all our talks on Media Days, we asked him about the new touchback rule, where if you catch the ball outside of the end zone, but before the 25, if you make a fair catch, the ball goes to the 25. And he said – if that ball is kicked to me in front of the end zone, I'm returning it. Yeah. And we're like, really? Like, no, I'm returning it. You better it. make it past the 25, otherwise yeah. you'll be sitting next to otherwise Frank Ross instead of on the field. Yeah, that philosophy will go by the wayside if that's the case. Okay, Johnny, stick around, and uh, we'll continue to talk Texans. We'll continue with interviews. We have the safety dance going tonight with MJ Stewart, speaking of special teams, personal protector on the punt unit, and also Eric Murray. And, again, not much more to say about the passing of Ryan Mallett at age 35. My goodness, dead on a Florida beach, apparently drowned reportedly. News broke today. So tragic, so horrifying. And uh, again, we don't have any more details on that. I just want to say that. And we'll continue to do a show here tonight, Texans All Access. And we'll reset when we get back with our interview with MJ Stewart. It's Texans Radio. Continuing on Texans All Access tonight, if you joined us late, if you just jumped in the car, you didn't know Ryan Mallett, former Texans quarterback, Ravens quarterback, Patriots quarterback, dead at the age of 35, so tragic, reportedly drowned on a Florida beach. Mallett had just accepted a job as a high school football coach in Arkansas, where he was an assistant since 2020, and not much more to say other than we are so shocked and saddened by this news. Just terrifying horrifying ryan mallet dead at the age of 35 rest in peace ryan played for the texans in 2014 and 2015 all right as promised now an interview as we caught up with mj stewart we were talking special teams in the first segment mj stewart personal protector on the punt team among other things good safety and mj stewart likes the way this offseason's been going so far uh, it's been great. You know, we take this whole um, OTA period to really come together as a team, 
um, and just getting to know the new guys is, is, is very cool. You brought in some vets, some guys from around the league that you know, but also some rookies to the group. How do you like the secondary group, the secondary group that's come together in that room that you brought together? Some guys that have been here. Eric Murray's been here, brought in Jalen last year, but Jimmy's new to the group. Kind of how's the group meshed together in the short time you guys have been together, MJ? Uh, we actually been meshing really good, you know what I mean? Um, like you said, there's been some guys who, you know, have been here, uh, some new faces as well. Uh, but we all come together, we all, you know, connect as a family, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm really excited about our secondary group, and I feel like we're going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. Describe the vibe or culture or however you want to describe it to me with the new coaching staff. How has that been? Uh, it's really kind of like upbeat, you know what I mean? Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just like uh, it's just something in the air that's really positive. It's positive energy, good energy in the air. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm excited for the season because I feel like, uh, you know, with Miko, uh, you know, he played here. He's a former player, um, so he understands, you know, us you know what i mean a lot mm -hmm. of coaches can't relate because you know they're they they just coach they they didn't play but miko right. played he understands you know how we how we are what we go through and so just just having a coach like that you it makes you want to you know work harder for him because he understands you you know what i mean yeah yes, MJ, have you had you know it's a I say it's a new defense but then you look and you see some of the same elements so and you've been around the league for a mm -hmm. little bit What's different about this scheme? You'd have to go into like you know the exact what you can't. Right. But 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 how is it different? Is the verbiage different? Are things easily uh, more easily to pick up on? We talked to I can't remember who it was that said it's a little bit more this or that. There's there's not as much you know kind of gray area. Which in football you're caught in gray area. You're mm -hmm. gonna you're gonna be in a lot of trouble. But how do you kind of see the defense being different than what you've been in even last year, the years before that outside of Houston? Um, I actually kind of played in a similar defense before, so um, it wasn't really hard for me to pick up on. Right. Um, but uh, the verbiage is a little different, like the names and everything, but it's still kind of the same defense. Right. So, um, it, it's kind of kind of easy for me to pick up on. You right. know what I mean? Right. Just having to like you know just remember you know how we played it in other places. Right. Right. And then take you know what the coaches here are you know giving me and kind of put it all together. MJ, you came into the league in 2018, which mm. isn't that long ago, yet in football years, <laughs> it's a little bit of a right. slice of time there. How has your life changed and how you approach this profession, this business, knowing that, hey, however long it lasts is what it is, and then you know there's a future beyond that. How do you regard all of that and handle it? Kind of, kind of. I'm going to just give a shout-out to uh, Denzel Perryman because he kind of mm. told me this uh, one day, but... You know, as long as uh, my face scan works outside, I'm <laughs> I'm super happy. You know what I mean? So, um, and it's just, it's just things like that. I'm just happy to still be here. You know what I mean? And just you know, whatever my role is, just make sure I play that to my best ability. The one thing that I think some people gloss over a lot, you know, think about fantasy, think about offense, defense. They don't think about special teams. But you've been an absolute stalwart on special teams since you've been in the league, but in particular last year. You, know, you got a fake punt that you converted last year. You had the big hit against the Chargers where you knocked the punt out. MJ, I got a feeling that when players come to the NFL, and not that they're only special teams players, you did a lot more than that. You've done a lot more than that in your career. But when they hear special teams, some guys are like, well, I don't play special teams, bro. Like, that's not me. I play defense or I play offense, that's it. But you not only have done that, you've excelled at that. Where does that kind of come from for you to be such an integral part of the special teams? Maybe the forgotten unit, but arguably the most important units on the whole team. 
Uh, it just comes from the passion of the game, you know. Um, I'm not really a big person of, uh, you know, oh, I have to play defense, and if I don't play defense, like, you know, some people are like, you know, if they don't, you know, if they're not where they want to be, you know, they kind of shut down. Right. But like me, like, I love football so much. It's just like I just like playing, you know right. what I mean? I like to be on the field. And as long as I'm on the field, whatever that may be, for however long that may be, you know, I mean, I'm just gonna give it the best because I just love the game. I love the, I love everything about the game. So it's just like if you're very passionate about football, like it don't matter if you play special teams, if you play defense, offense, it don't matter as long as you can get on the field. You know, what I mean, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah. MJ Stewart with us. MJ, the M stands for Marvin, right? Yes. Does anybody call you Marvin? No. Not even when you get not even you when you get in like trouble. Huh? Not even when you get in trouble. No, nobody like even my mom, my dad, my grandma. Nobody calls me that did, at all. What did they give you the MJ, or did you decide at some point I don't want to be Marvin? So my dad actually gave me that name when I was really young. Okay. So uh, I've been called MJ my whole life. Um, you know, people try to you know mess with me and call me Marvin. <laughs> Marvin's got a bad, like Marvin Gay, Marvin Hagler. Marvin's a good name. No, yeah, it, but if but if it's not your name then no, uh, it's not a bad so. name at all. Yeah. I'm not I I love my name, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, but like just nobody What's calls me Marvin. What's the J? Junior. Junior. Okay. Yeah, because my dad's okay, name was Marvin before. too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. MJ yeah. Marvin Junior. Okay, so Marvin, my name is Marvin Stewart Junior. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the J Yeah, of course, Marvin Junior. That's good, MJ. So like you're it. so you're DC guy. Come to Houston. Have you adapted to the food scene in Houston? And if so, what's your favorite kind of Houston cuisine? Maybe not the, the restaurant or whatever, but your favorite Houston. Because, you know, there's so much. There's Asian. There's barbecue. There's Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. um, so many levels of Asian, I should say. Tex-Mex. What's your favorite kind of cheap meal sort of thing to have here in Houston? I'm a foodie. so When like, Lad lets you do that, by the way. <laughs> I mean, we got to preface everything with that. Yeah, I'm a foodie, bro. And I think, like, Houston, I don't know why. I'm just so stuck on lamb chops in Houston. Really? Like, lamb chops in Houston are just... Wow. Everywhere I've been, I've yeah. had good lamb... I, I haven't had bad lamb chops in Houston yet. Wow. So, Interesting. Um uh, it's just I don't know why I don't even I really don't even like red meat to be honest right. with you. But lamb chops, something about them lamb chops in Houston. I just does that count as red? Yeah, it does. It's close enough. It where did your love of food come? <laughs> where the where the foodie aspect come from? Is that just something over time you picked up on, or where? I've always loved food. I'm like a I'm like a big kid. Like you know what yeah. I mean. I'm a I'm a safety at two o five. You know what I mean. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big safety. I've just always been a big kid. You yeah. know what I mean. So um, I always love food. That's awesome. MJ, thanks a lot for being with us. Good luck. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And there's our conversation with MJ Stewart. And coming up, Eric Murray. Let's visit with him. And again, not much more to say, but we are shocked, saddened, and we want to express our deepest condolences to the family of Ryan Mallett, former Texans quarterback who reportedly died today at the age of 35, drowned on a Florida beach, and so sad. Just such shocking news today. All right, we'll continue with the show. It's Texans Radio. All right, final segment on the show tonight and a strange night indeed with the news breaking today that former Texans quarterback Ryan Mallett has died, reportedly drowned on a Florida beach at the age of 35. Also with the Patriots, of course, and the Ravens, Arkansas, Michigan before that. And Mallett recently accepted a job as a high school football coach in Arkansas. He was an assistant for the past few years and now gone. Ryan Mallett way too soon at the age of 35. Unbelievable. 
And there's not much more to say about it. We just wanted to keep breaking that news as we found out ourselves this afternoon. And I'm sure I can share on behalf of the entire organization, we have heavy hearts at the very least about this. And all our prayers are with the Mallet family at this time. All right, let's get to our conversation with Eric Murray. John Harris and I had a chance to visit with the safety at minicamp. Now, I think you're the longest tenured Texan. I'm kidding, but it feels... Oh, it's close. It feels like you've been around here for a while and another regime. But do you talk to some of the younger guys, some of the new guys about that? They ask you questions. What's it been like? I mean, you're the salty veteran here now. (laughs) I mean, a little bit, but uh, I try to keep the past in the past and move forward. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we got a good thing going here. So, you know, want to keep it in that direction. So, not to get into the minute differences and such, but... Are there differences in the defense you're running last year versus this year, verbiage, all that kind of stuff? And with the differences in the different scheme, like how are you kind of adapting to it and how's it been back in the secondary? Because we know you got to have communication back there mm-hmm. with coverage, what you're looking at, all that. How's that kind of gone uh, early on, Eric? I mean, early on, it's, it's been pretty good. I think uh, for a guy like me, like I've been around a few systems. So, yeah, you've seen it. Um, yeah, the verbiage is a little different, but the plays are, you know, generally the same. You're going to have the same elements in the defense, and that's really never going to change. So yeah. just knowing uh, the verbiage and who you're talking to on the field, right. um, you know, that'll take some time, and that's what this period is for. Yeah, Eric, coaches feel like they can rely on you. They know what you're going to bring to the table. Describe that to us. What do you feel like you contribute here, especially as a pillar when you look at some of the new players, young mm-hmm. players, maybe some of the undrafted guys even? Um, just a sound voice, uh, consistency. Uh, you know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to do the same thing every day, and I'm going to bring my hard hat and work. Um, and I think uh, that's been part of the reason why I've stayed around for so long and it's just you know been the mainstay in the league. So um, that's just my bread and butter, and that's what I'm going to stick to. You talk, you talk about during – we were talking before we talked here, Eric, and going back to your hometown, Milwaukee, and doing a football camp. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons for doing it, but what was the main reason for you wanting to do that camp back in Milwaukee? Uh, just because it's – you know, it's been so good to me, and it, you know, made me who I am. And just um, being around those people and, and giving back to the community, that's something I really want to do because I haven't done it um, since I've been in the league, so I really want to get that done this year. And you get that started back in Milwaukee, your hometown. Is that where you're going to go for the break? What do you got planned for the break outside of the camp? Uh, probably take my family to New York. Um, I got two kids and a wife. Just got married. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, appreciate that. Wow. And, uh, Congratulations, <laughs> man. So just want to, you know, go to New York for a couple of days, um, see some things, shop a little bit. Outside of playing, have you been there much? Uh, no. I probably went one time. I was in eighth grade. I was in choir, so. <laughs> what were you doing in New York in the choir? So Performing? I, yeah, it was, uh, we did a choir trip in eighth grade okay. um, for my middle school, so we went, did some singing, went to go yeah. see a Broadway play called Stomp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, met Mos Def. Oh, nice. Walking around, met him, uh, went to a Knicks game, met uh, Rampage Jackson when he was real yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we had a good time. We had a good time. Man, that's a half an eighth grade trip, man. <laughs> I've seen Rampage wow. at a UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen Stomp as well. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. And we went to see uh, Mamma Mia. Okay. Yeah, we had a good time. That is good. All right, so how was the wedding? Everything goes smoothly? Uh, it wasn't really a big wedding. We didn't do a big ceremony. We just okay. kind of... Smart. We've smart, been together for a long smart. time, so, you know, we just got our papers right and, and did a little ceremony amongst ourselves. So. That was that that was smart. That's the, save smart, the, money. the smartest thing you could do. <laughs> if she, but that all depends on the bride, right? Yeah, She's right, got to right. be up 100%. for that. 
Mm-hmm. If she's not up for that, it's not happening. Well, then she's the right bride if she is up for that. Yeah. If she, if she, if she, if she's go like, to New York no, instead. We need here, a destination yeah. wedding and we're doing this. Then it's like, mm, I don't know. I'm not sure. So, okay. This is an either or. I got an either or for you. Okay. So you say you have kids and you just got yep, married. Yep. An emergency comes up. You and your wife got to go somewhere, but you can't take the kids. Who makes for a better emergency babysitter? Either Jalen Petrie or Jimmy Ward. Jalen Petrie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy a little rambunctious, so he, <laughs> he moves around a lot. Jalen, actually, he's a homebody. Like, he don't do a lot. Right, um, right. On the weekends, he like to stay around his family and, you know, do stuff like that. Coach the Makes AAU sense. basketball team. Right, so right. I know he, he'll, he'll stay in one place. I got you. That's a good answer. That's a good answer, actually. What, like have, what have you learned about Houston over your time here? Because you're not from here, but mm-hmm. like we say, you got here as fast as you could. So what have you? What are your impressions like after being here for a few seasons? Um, well, I love the food. Um, I love the diversity. Um, it just, if I don't even know. Uh, I've been to Dallas and I've been to Austin, and I can tell you that I love Houston the most yeah. <laughs> out of those ones. Nice. And, you know, people they like to compare, but I think Houston has really has everything you need, um, and you can find it in different pockets of the city. So. I really love that aspect about it, too. Okay, you talk about food. So, cheat meal. I know Lad's got you guys on lock, mm-hmm. like, all the time. But every now and again, you can get your cheat meal. Yep. You're picking either barbecue mm-hmm. or Tex-Mex. Barbecue. Definitely barbecue. Yeah. All right. That's the right choice every time. <laughs> Eric, thanks a lot for joining no us. Problem. Good luck to no you. No problem. Thank you. All right, there's our visit with Eric Murray, and it's been a show where we had a lot of things planned. We did a lot of things, and... We also express our condolences, our deepest sympathy to the family of Ryan Mallett, who passed away today, reportedly at the age of 35 after drowning at a Florida beach. And Mallett played for the Texans in 2014 and 2015. And we just wanted to say rest in peace, Ryan. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. This show will be up on podcast soon enough. And we'll be back tomorrow with more. It's Texans Radio.